Calling all Swifties and champions of change, Like a Girl Media is rolling out the red carpet for you with our Thrive Like a Girl contest. We're all about celebrating powerful women leaders who inspire us to dream big and push boundaries. And who embodies that spirit more than Taylor Swift herself? Here's your chance to see her live in concert. We're giving away two tickets to Taylor Swift's show in London on Saturday, June 22nd. Imagine being part of the magic, all thanks to Like a Girl Media. Entering is easy. Subscribe, share, and show us which episodes inspired you the most. Visit our website or check our social media for all the details. Don't just dream it, be it. Thrive like a girl and make this summer unforgettable. Contest opens globally, voidware prohibited, must be 18 or older to enter, no purchase necessary. Subscribe and share with hashtag thrive like a girl and tag us at like a girl underscore media for entry. Unlimited entries means unlimited chances. Winner chosen at random after contest closes May 20th, 2024. We'll be notified via DM. Make sure your profiles are not private. Check full rules on our site. This is your shot to see Taylor Swift live. Don't miss it. Welcome to the Hit Like a Girl podcast, where with each episode, we hear from different women experts in the health IT industry. We like to hear about what makes them tick, how they overcome challenges, work they're proud of, advice they would give to other women in health IT, and much more. I'm Joy Rios. And I'm Robin Roberts. We're talking with a woman who started out her career in musical theater, but is now wearing many hats with Orion Health, Joni Pidcock. Joni shares her insights on how studying the arts and political science have helped her in health IT today. She talks about how she is driven when she sees a deficit in things and wants to step up. So let's get started. I uh, work for Orion Health. I am a director of payer services. Uh, I also look after our U.S. analytics line of business. Uh, so doing strategy around uh, that product. I also <laughs> look after a very talented team of, of customer support people who are technical and dedicated and wonderful, as well as provide leadership for our U.S.-based team. And I go through all of those things because, not that that's necessarily a, something a woman would say, is that they hold many hats, but I myself at Orion own many hats and am often wearing multiple hats at the same time. But uh, I'm also the kind of person uh, who sees a deficit and uh, wants to step up and to my success and detriment at times, (laughs) trying to take on too much. And how did you get there? How did this all start for you? So it, it, it's an interesting path. So I, I went originally went to school, and I, this will not be a 20-minute um, diatribe, but I originally went to school to study musical theater performance. And wait, wait, musical data performance? Uh, uh, no, musical theater theater performance. Okay. But musical data performance would be right, even so you better. To, so you went to school for the arts. Sorry. I did. Yeah, no, that's, that's fine. I went to school for the arts, um, but always had a love of uh, history, and uh, we will eventually get to help. IT there. Um, and so after uh, going to a conservatory and having a just having a blast basically is what it, what it was, um, I really wanted to go back uh, and, and um, 
expand my my knowledge in, in different subjects around the world. History has always been a love of mine, but political science was interesting, and I went to school in New York. And having a first-hand experience with democracy and different cultures uh, sort of merging together and working together without stepping on one another, pluralism is what they, they call it, uh, cultural pluralism, that interested me to the point where I, I just I wanted to know who people were, what made them tick, what made them successful, um, and ways that we can leverage those talents to be successful as we move forward. And that eventually landed me in IT uh, on the finance side. My musical theater background uh, made me not shy and able to <laughs> to go in and uh, present myself to the world, ask questions, and and then my training in uh, poli sci and cultural pluralism gave me some tools to be able to re- read a room and and I, I guess really get an understanding of what somebody is trying to communicate, even if they don't realize that they what it is that they were trying to communicate. That sounds like it's really important, and because there's so many stakeholders in healthcare, you could easily apply those. Absolutely. So so my I eventually ended up in a product management role, and the skill set a product manager brings to the table is understanding the business in a way that you can translate to the techno- technology, and then understanding the technology in a way that you can translate it to the business. They don't speak the same language at all. Even if they c- come from the same background, their focus is different, their intentions are different, that what's important to them is different. And so having that liaison in the middle to do that interpretation is, is, is it's an important way to be able to move forward. So I, I did that for a number of years in finance IT back when all the regulations were coming about, Sarbanes-Oxley, and it created a, a growth opportunity for the industry. And then saw the same thing starting to happen in healthcare, and it, that translated very well. You know, data is data is data, data you know, so, that, so the whole product management piece was fine, platform to platform. Um, but really having an understanding of the difficulties, challenges in the healthcare industry was what really got me um, energized and then found my way into an innovation role and then I was sort of sold you know to me that's the key that's the that's the place to be you know being able to see to the future by utilizing what we have today and learnings from the past so and so at Orion what I do is take all of that experience and interest and use it to further the goals of our particular companies that we have as clients, as well as taking a look at how we're going to be able to lead in the market going forward. What's your favorite hat, or maybe most impactful hat, that you feel like you get to work with? Because you said you do a lot of different things over there. I what do. is the most interesting thing to you? So I think uh, the most interesting is is the relationship management piece. And in I think you started out talking about how complicated the health IT industry is. And people aren't always very good listeners. And you go to a lot of meetings and you watch people talk about a pain point and then someone answer with their own agenda. And it's really interesting. You know, it's a a social experiment, right, for life, basically, (laughs) to see how people don't communicate and that misalignment keeps progress from from happening. So when I joined Orion, I jumped into the most problem area of the company, and it was difficult because I also had no idea of what I was doing with Orion. You know, you you have to get up to speed on a company and their processes and who they are and their values. 
but I jumped right in um, with a customer and it was really rewarding to be able to pull people in and see that the people who were looking at the problem with, their, with right up against their nose w- weren't seeing how quickly they could move forward from the issue if they could just take a step back, take a breath, and then uh, you know, really un- listen to one another. So. There is a concept about slowing down to speed up. Yes. Have, yeah, and you just reminded me of that. A lot of times you just get stuck in like, this is what I'm doing, I'm focused, this is where my attention needs to be, but yeah. taking a step back and potentially maybe even asking for help or for other people to, to, to be part of the solution and coming up with strategies so that you can right. you know, make better progress. Right. Well, um, the, there's a lot of talk about interoperability. Mm-hmm. Um, it, it, in the industry, and and everyone associates interoperability with technology. Technology has to meet with this technology and data and exchange. But to me, interoperability is also a paradigm shift of values, and and, uh, one group of people, um, uh, provider organizations or payer organizations or or even your vendors, valuing uh, being open and accessible for the good of the end result, right? So, So the technology is cool, and everyone focuses on that, and people like to go deep but going wide and being able to achieve the goal by working together is really the important piece there. So I like to bring that into what I do because technology is is awesome, but I'm I'm probably not going to get as excited sitting down and looking at a piece of architecture. I know people do, and that's fabulous. That's not where I am. Where I am is how do we make this architecture meet that business goal, and to me I think that's, that's the... That's the sort of detective work, uh, the Sherlock Holmes, if you will, piece of, uh, of the business. So. Well, I think you're absolutely right because the structure and the standards for what to do it are really, you know, recently definitely got a much-needed injection uh, for what's going on. We need to just finish gaining some consensus around it. But that paradigm shift in value for people to come together is something that's seriously lacking. Um, absolutely. In, Everyone wants to play nice in the sandbox, except except me. You, yeah. Everyone should share the data, but me. Yeah. Um, and so, and you know, as a free market capitalist, I can appreciate that. But yeah. So, what what's going on with you guys in innovation right now? For Ryan, yeah. So um, we we have achieved great uh, strides in taking data, a uh, disparate data across healthcare, and you know, data is. It's, it's enormous. There's data everywhere, and it's in different, different structures and standards and messages. And some come in real time, and some come in batches, and some take, uh, you know. Joni, you left out the word silos. Six times. <laughs> oh, right, silos. That's everyone. <laughs> and you know, it, it, there's a huge investment to being able to create a platform that is going to offer a glide plane to be able to innovate and be and create those uh, workflows that are going to help the market and help improve health care and help uh, reduce the cost of health care. So Orion has uh, spent that time investment care in sort of the non-sexy piece of it, right? And because uh, we had that focus and, and a core competency and value, we now can go to the payer provider market and say, hey, let's do care coordination and let's uh, do population health management and let's allow you to exchange data. You don't have to do the work on it. You guys go and do what it is important for your different portion of the industry. Uh, it, to us, it's more important that the provider is sitting in front of the patient, not that they're sitting there trying to hook up a, a document into a, a, a piece of technology to get it over to the payer. All right, and it's also a good place to be to help 
achieve the goal of improved health care on the payer side, um, even though the payers sometimes get the bad rap of just not wanting to spend the money, right? There's a lot of ways to both save money and improve. improve you mentioned a benefit to the physician in doing so, yeah. so that they can be face-to-face, elbow-to-elbow with their patients and their care teams, families, caregivers. Who is realizing the downstream value of standing something like that up after the unsexy work is done? So in my experience, it's really the payers, which is interesting. The payers, while it's in their best interest to mitigate the risk of having to spend a lot of money to keep people healthy, their relationships with the providers, it's really important to keep those providers informed, happy, and able to keep quality high because those quality scores are going to be beneficial for them in the market both for people to uh, different providers to want to to be associated with those payers but also me as a as a patient you know eventually healthcare is going to get to the point where employers are going to say here's here's money go find a health plan that works for you and then the payer market is it's going to be up to them to make sure that they're adding value to me as a person, not me as a part of the demographic that they have to, uh, to work towards. So, yeah. Go on and put your magical thinking cap on. Mm-hmm. And if you could snap your fingers and solve any problem in health IT, what would it be in life? Oh, I feel like this is so obvious and uninteresting, but I, I, would, uh, give a, I would give everyone a national patient identifier. I would have that one thing that is missing that is keeping us from realizing real interoperability and real understanding of the patient, or even me, myself, understanding my own medical past, my family's uh, medical past, and then my future as well. Solving that problem would take out a lot of churn. It would take out a lot of the heavy lift of trying to figure out who someone is and the risk of delivering care that may is inappropriate for them because we don't know who they are. So I think that is what I would do, and, and that's a very Orion answer as well because we're Orion is a global company, and outside of the U.S., that exists. Oh, and yes. So <laughs> it, it makes things so much easier. Innovation around uh, identifying patients is a U.S. thing. It's not really a, a rest-of-the-world issue. And if we could get rid of that, I feel like we could continue to grow and find those workflows and those interesting applications and better educate people on how to keep better care of themselves. Yeah, I think I'm inclined to agree with you. I think it would also help reduce fraud a great deal um, to have something like that. And it's obviously from a data perspective, it's the ultimate field to join on. Uh, It's the ultimate union field. So I could appreciate that answer. That's a good one. I would think that you could of anybody being Robin Roberts, knowing that I Well, it is. But moreover, (laughs) I listened to a person yesterday. I said, tell me about this experience and this data lake they built and patient match. And he said, well, I think based on the number of field matches, you know, the people we worked with in the data project have kind of cracked that nut. And I thought about the existing data in the, quote, data lake. But I always think back to, you know, worst case scenario, somewhere in rural America, a $10 an hour registrar that just graduated high school, sitting at the urgent care of the ED, and Susan's Roberts comes in and she puts her in as Sue, Susie, this. And Sue recently moved to make matters worse, right? Sure, yeah. No one has fixed that. No. It doesn't no. get fixed. And so 
the only thing that fixes it is your wish. Exactly. So there's exactly. there's no amount of matching after the fact that will bring us back if the patient moved. And God knows they move a lot because a lot of them don't get their bill. We spend a lot of money to find the right address to send it to them. Absolutely. And so there are so many factors outside of the system that a vendor cannot fix, but that fixes it. Yeah. The national patient identifier. I learned a couple years ago that it had been passed by Congress yes. that they were intentional about not including one. And yes. I found that to be such a huge surprise. Of like, I don't know, it just felt shocking, yes. really, of why they would do that. And I believe that there has been some change around that. But are you more familiar with where we are today in that journey? But, but you can get a social security number. <laughs> I know, but then there are, are, are yes, very strict exactly. rules about exactly. utilizing that, that social number. security yep. number. Right. Yeah. So, yeah. Sorry, I mean, please. Yeah, no, you know, I, I, to be honest, I, I'm not up to date on any uh, legislation that they're trying to pass. My guess is that um, nobody would be working very hard on it from a free market perspective because there is a lot of secret sauce in your <laughs> patient identifier, right? And, you know, not to, to get totally political, but regardless of your opinion of the ACA, you know, that piece of legislation really kicked people out of their silos, uh, you know, using, using carrots and then eventually using sticks. But, and I, I think it was necessary. I think that there were, you know, behemoths in the industry who, who are mine, mine, mine. You can share with me. I'm not going to share with you. And, you know, once that was mandated and pushed out, I mean, innovation was able to soar and people were actually able to come to the table for a common reason. So, so hopefully they'll do the right thing and, and think about a national patient identifier because, I, I mean, I think that could be huge across the board. I mean, think about the kind of data that's out there today that we still haven't gotten our hands on and how to bring it in for the good of different processes around data management, like genomics data and wearables data and behavioral data. You know, it, there's just there's so much out there and only more can, can actually uh, come about. This time next year, we're going to be sitting down talking about six other different types of, of data that we never thought we would have access to or would be useful for us in our day-to-day lives. Last question. We are building a reading list. So reading if you list. can think of any <laughs> books that have been impactful to you, either personally or professionally, that you think others should read. The Digital Doctor is, is one that I found to be very useful when I moved from finance IT over to health IT to really get an understanding of where we are in the market today. And then uh, a bit of a, a plug for a, a good friend of mine, but um, there's uh, this person named Frank Ngari. He used to be the CEO of Navinet, which is a company I came from, and he runs a training session, a two-, three-day training session called um, Chill, and it goes through the history history of uh, healthcare in the U.S. market from before there was, the, the legislation was passed um, about no national patient identifier and when the blues were separated, when it was Blue Cross over, over here and Blue Shield over there and before they were combined mm-hmm. and um, how things evolved. I think it's super interesting. He was a mentor of mine when I uh, jumped into health IT and I've taken his courses over time and I definitely think that that's one to, to take a look at and I can give you his website Side, if that's useful for the for the site well, afterwards. That's great. Okay, so speaking of websites, if somebody wanted to find you online, Joni, where would they look? You could find me on LinkedIn. Okay. <laughs> All right. Fair. Excellent. Well, thank you so much for taking the time to talk to us about your piece of the healthcare and health IT puzzle and sharing a little bit about your background. Thank you for having me. This was great. Yeah, we appreciate Thanks. it. And thank you for listening to the Hit Like a Girl podcast. If you want to know more about us, For this guest, 
check out our website at hitlikeagirlpod.com. While you're at it, if you found value in this episode, we'd appreciate a ratings on iTunes. Or simply tell a friend. You can also connect with us on Twitter or Instagram at the handle hitlikeagirlpod. Thanks again. See you soon. 